I'm preaching a series of messages on eight judgments of God, the eight judgments of God. Now, this is the last judgment, but it's second part of the last judgment. This is part two of the great white throne judgment. Now, I'm not going to be through with this series quite when I finish this last one because I have one more sermon I want to place in here that will be, I hope, encouraging to you. But today I want to explain some things and you may have never heard before, maybe you have. You may disagree with them and maybe you have, but I'm going to do my best to give you the best explanation I can today of the rest of this text that I did not finish last week. Last week, I focused on the book of life. Today, I'm going to focus on the books that were opened. One is single, singular. That is where everyone who is saved is in that book. And when you reject Christ, you're uh, blotted out of that book. And if you get too hard to get saved, you're blotted out of that book. And so if the rapture were to come and you wasn't saved, you'd be blotted out of that book. And so when it all finishes, it's not just the book of the living, it's the book of life. And so today I want to talk to you on this subject, Heaven's Library, okay? Heaven's Library, the keeper of the books. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father... We thank you already for the prayers we heard. We thank you for the spirit that the choir, as they sang with today, and um, as they blessed us, and and our, our musicians, as they blessed us. But God, we realize nothing really blesses us unless you touch us. Now, I know there's folks who say they don't get touched, and they don't get fed, and they don't get blessed. There'll always be those kind of people. But God, I found out if anybody wants to be blessed, you are ready all the time to bless them. So God, help us to get our blessers tuned up right and let you fix us in our hearts and do a great work here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the answer, if I were to say who is the keeper of the books in heaven, the answer to that is simple. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of the book. That's a simple thing. Never any forgetful thoughts. Now, I, I forget things like I did just now. You forget things, and we all forget things. And as you grow older, you're going to forget more things. And, you know, getting old does have its advantages. You can get by with a lot of stuff old. <laughs> I just don't remember. I didn't do that. No. And so, as we go through life, we forget. Let me tell you, God never forgets anything. If one hair could fall out of your head and God remembered, I'd I'd say God has a pretty good memory, don't you? God has a computer system that will absolutely embrace everything we do in life. And notice the books fill with all of what we did, good or bad. Notice what God does. He doesn't use a double standard on the lost. He doesn't use a double standard on the saved. He judges the saved and the lost according to what they have done, good or bad. Has the same standard for the lost man as he does for the saved man. Now, you're going to want to know why? 
And I'm going to tell you in just a few moments. Now, the Bible, of course, is the book of books, and no book supersedes God's book. I don't care who wrote it. I don't care who thinks they're what. I don't care what guru sits somewhere and tells you and splurts out his philosophy. I'm telling you this book is the book of books. There is no book even close to second place to this book. This book is superior to every book. In fact, it is so. God is so sensitive about this book. God is so sensitive about this book. He said in Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19, if you add to anything I've said or you take away anything I've said, I'll take away your name out of the book of life. God, he's sensitive about this book. It's his book. You say, I don't believe all the Bible. Then you can't go to heaven. You can't go to heaven. You see, you've got to believe the book to be in the book. So, the book of all books is the Bible. It has exactly the things in it for us that we need. We, the Bible lets us hear God. The Bible lets us know God. The Bible lets us follow God. The Bible tells us how to obey God. The Bible tells us how to love our Lord Jesus. And then the Bible tells us how to worship our Lord Jesus. He was careful to put in the Bible only what we could handle and needed. Have you noticed that? In the book of John, chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he said, many more miracles he did, which we can't even record at this time. And then in the next chapter, he said, If we could write all the books of the things that Jesus Christ has done, it would fill the world. Now, God is a God of books. And so, there are good books, but there is not a better book than the Bible. There are some good books. You ought to read autobiographies of great saints of the past. It'll help you and bless you. You There are some good books, but there's not a better book. In the Bible. Now, the Bible has different books mentioned in it. The book of covenants, the book of cures, the book of curses, the book of cautions, the book of corrections, the book of conclusion in Ecclesiastes, and Daniel, the book of consummation. And then it's a book of conversion. And of course, you know, for saints of God, it is the book of comfort and consolation to us. It's a book about the church. It's a book about God's conviction. But here, it's a book about condemnation. So let's look at the first thing. Number one, in verse number 11, we saw this last week, there's the burning of the world. Heaven and earth fled away. That means it's a book of destruction. It tells about what's going, how we're going to be destroyed. And when we're just, notice when they stand before the great white throne, there's a new respect for his deity. Secondly, there's a, now a removal of all their gods. They have nowhere to go, nowhere to hide, no, nothing in the world. They're just standing there before a holy God that made them in his image. Thirdly, there's a revealing of their lost lives because he said the book was open. It's a revealing of their life that they live but never let Jesus in their life 
They may have went to church. They may have sang in the choir. They may have served in children's church. They may, they may have taught classes, but their name had been blotted from the book of life. Here's number two. The book of life in verse number 12 means it is a book of destiny. You see, I'm glad when we stand before the great judge of glory, there's not any good old boy prosecution. Aren't you? There's no under-the-table bribes. There's no co consulting fees. There's no corruption in God's legal system. There's no smart-aleck interruption by some lawyer at God's judgment. There is no objection at God's judgment. You don't even have a defender at God's judgment. You only have a prosecutor. At God's judgment. I'm glad of that. I'm glad there's no judges in somebody's pocket at God's, at God's judgment. I'm glad there's no pretty boy lawyers that don't have a moral about them and, 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 and perpetuate themselves from time to time. Seem like they just keep getting worse. Listen, folks, how can you defend somebody who does the things they do without being broken in your heart? And then I'll tell you something else. There will be no boards of any kind. I'm not talking about the, the wood boards, but those other boards. I mean, not even talking about you being bored when I preach. I'm talking about boards, you know, committees. There will be no boards of decision which perpetuates itself and falls out against the honest man. Have you ever noticed that most boards will always fall out toward the person that has the greatest power and influence? Never falls out in your, in your corner. Always falls out in the wrong decision. And then that board perpetuates itself. The next time, you've got the Next guy that this guy wanted who was head of the committee. And so the committee points to the committee and the committee points to the committees, right? That's where it works. And that's the world we live in. But at God's judgment, it's just God. Number three, there's the books of works. I'm calling this the book of degrees in verse number 12. The Bible says they were judged from the books. Didn't say they were judged from the book. No need to judge from the book. You know right now where you're lost or saved. And so it's no need to judge from the book because if you're not saved, your name's not in the book. No need to judge from the book. The book of life is opened. Yes, it's there to reveal their name is not there. So they know they're standing there lost and going to be lost because they spent a thousand seven years at least, we know, in a place uh, called Hades that was burning with fire, Luke 16 says. And so now they stand there with no hope whatsoever. You see, he judged us and we were given uh, crowns and rewards for our good. But you see, we were judged the same way. We were judged... From books. There's a book, there's books about all of us. And so we were judged how? Second Corinthians 5.10 says according to what we've done, good or bad. So when he gets to a lost man, even though they're lost and going to hell, judges him the same way. According to whether he's done good or bad. I done lost some of you, hadn't I? Y'all still with me? 
Now he's judging them by the same standard. Salvation is by the standard only of coming by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Repenting and turning to him for salvation. That's the book. But when you get to the books, he judges them according to whether they've done good or bad. You say, well, a lost person can't do good. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Now, let me show you something. How uh, the way we were judged and they're judged the same, but we just got different rewards for it. We got crowns to lay at his feet. They're going to get something far worse, okay? You see, the book, to me, I'm happy about. When God opens a book of life, I know my name's in there. I know it because it's been sealed into the day of redemption. I know it because God said he's going to keep me. Even when I fail, he never fails. Even when you fail, he never fails. And so, when the book's open, I have no fear whatsoever, even though we're not at that judgment in the front side. I think we are, and I'll talk about it just a little bit later. But if you look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, I want to show you why that he's judging them according to their good or bad, okay? Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to flip around just a little bit today. I'll try not to work you too hard, but look what it says. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's about the simplest line you could have. By grace are you saved by faith. Look, and that not of yourselves. That means you can't do one thing to save yourself. Nothing, nothing. Look, it is the gift of God. Why? Why does God do that? He opens these books to show you that you can't do one good thing or ten good things or a thousand good things because in verse number nine, God's going to see to it nobody's in heaven that's boasting that they got there by their merits. No way. No way. But when God got a hold to us in verse number 10, he did a little work on us. And he worked us up to where now we do good works. He created us to do good works. Are y'all with me? And so now our good works are not just something good we do for somebody or something we good do down here. It is something spiritually good that we do. Now we weren't saved by the books. None of us got saved by what's in the books. We were saved by grace. And that's the book of life. So, it's a gift of God. No man could ever say they deserve to be there. No man could ever say, God, I deserve to be there because I've done this and I've done that. You can't say that, verse 9 says. You can't do it. And then, look, look, notice the book of life is not what we are judged by. Not even, uh, not even here. Look, God is an excellent bookkeeper. It's book of chronicles, book of wars, the Bible says, book of records, Ezra 4.15 says. And so he writes, in fact, Philippians 1.8 says he even writes down our passion and our concern and our burden for our church. Some of you need to get it. Some of you should have had it a few months ago. You better understand, God wrote that down. 
He writes down our gossip. He writes down our coldness. He writes down our criticism. He writes down our division. He writes down everything that would do anything to hinder the church of the living God. Because he writes down, Paul says, his passion about the church. And then he also does something else. The book of Malachi says that he records our faithful attendance and fellowship. Now, we've got an attendance record for Sunday school, and, and we, we don't necessarily have one for worship, but I wonder what yours says. God does. God's got one. He knows where you were. Oh, you say, but I had a good excuse. I, I was cutting my toenails, and I cut one of them too short, and it's killing me, and I can't come. And God said, I know better than that. I know better than that because I went to Calvary. Amen. So he's an excellent bookkeeper. So he writes down all these books. But let me tell you something else he writes down. He records. Now get this. Don't miss this. He records the salvation calls and invitations that you have set through or been exposed to through a personal witness, through a Sunday school teacher, in a church, in a revival, on a street corner. God writes down your personal invitations and opportunities to make a choice for him. And you say, where's that? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 19. God declares there that he records that day what choice they would make to have life or to not have life, right? Let me give you something else. God records the secrets of our hearts. What if we were to show them on that screen today? I'd be the first one out of here, amen? I'm getting out of here. We'd all, we'd all start scattering. But let me tell you something else that he writes down. The Bible says he writes down every idle word that we shall speak. That's in Matthew 12. The secrets is in Romans chapter 2, verse number 16, where God writes them down. So, you say, what is the purpose of all this, Brother Glenn? I mean, why? Well, it's to show that they are going to hell and that there are degrees of hell. There's different degrees in hell. And so God's records are out of this world. We don't get to see them right now. We don't know about them. And God has a file on every lost person right now. If you're here this morning, God's got a file right on you. Got your name written on it. Had my name written on it. Had rebel child on his way to hell unless it changes. Maybe he's got your name written on it. Prideful spirit. On their way to hell, unless they change. So, notice that there's some degrees here. Now, well, preacher, tell me how I can find that out. I'm glad you asked, because there's three. I'm going to put them into three categories. First of all, God will judge those, whether they've done good or bad, First of all, those who refuse to hear God's preacher. In other words, there's no repentance. They won't repent. 
They don't care what the preacher says. They don't care how loud the preacher preaches. Oh, they may have their favorites. They may have, they may have someone they like. They may have some evangelist on television. But listen to God's not asking you to be entertained when you come to church or when you watch television or anything else where the word's being preached. God's asking us to repent. And there's no repentance. They just ignored it, didn't believe it, didn't take time, didn't want to give up their sin. Maybe just flat out unbelief. But all those are invitations. Look at Matthew 12. Matthew 12. I'm giving you, they're, they're all in the New Testament today, so you're most of them, so you're in pretty good shape. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 41. Look what he says. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Oh, but he's not done. Look, the queen of the south, he's talking about the queen of Sheba, shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Listen, God sent. God sent Jonah to Nineveh, and he didn't want to go. He was mad about going. He goes to Nineveh, and in three days, the whole city gets saved. Now, he got mad about it. God wrote that down, too. And he didn't like it, but the whole city got saved. Then, the Bible said the queen of Sheba, she comes bringing her group, all this caravan that she brings. And when she gets there, and she sees the worship and the tabernacle, she's awed by such presence of God that she falls down. And obviously, here Jesus says she became a believer. And Jehovah God. And so God said, people who never heard receives almost immediately the gospel. But people who hear all the time reject it week after week. I'm not talking about just here. All over the world. And you say, what do you mean by the degrees? Well, I don't know, but let's look at Luke 10 and see what Jesus said, how he kind of explained it to us here. Luke chapter 10, verse number 10. He's sending his disciples out. He said, whatever city you enter, they receive you not. Go your ways out in the streets of the same and say. They go, they go into in a city meant... In those days, just a small little community. It was like a, a community. It wasn't as big as Watertown. You know, they were, and, 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 they were, and they were very, very, houses were built very close in the city. So he said, when you go into a city, you preach the gospel. They reject it. He says that you go out and say. You don't just do it, but you tell them you're going to do it. You say the very dust of our uh, dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. In other words, we're wiping what got on our feet when we walk through your city and you receive the God. We're wiping it and leaving it here. We don't want to take it with us because it's dust of rejection. Mm. If I was lost, I'd get saved right now. I'd run out of the balcony, I'd run out of the back row, I'd run out of somewhere and get this altar, let one of our 
staff members lead, lead you to Jesus Christ. Let's, oh, let's don't stop, though. Look, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable. Now, more means more. Is that right? Did I get that one right? Did I forget something there? More means more. So look, it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. In other words, those stinking Sodomites are going to be better than these little people who thought they were living for God and went to synagogue four times a week, put the prayer egg shawls on and done all that other stuff, but in their heart they would not receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He said the Sodomites are in better shape than you are. Now let's keep on. He said, look, woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. The mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, had a great while ago repented. They'd have repented a long time ago, he said. Sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And it shall be more. Did I get that right? More tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment more at the judgment. More at the judgment. Look. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted to heaven, shall be thrust down to hell. He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. In other words, when a preacher comes to preach to you, and you despise him, and you don't hear him, and you make fun of him, and you mock him, God's number one is liable to kill you. But God says, I look at it like this. If it's a real man of God preaching the real word of God, and you try to hinder that, God said, I write it down. Because he said, when you reject that preacher who preached my book, I called him. I gave him the words, you reject me. That's what he says. No repentance is why. He even says they went to the house. I mean, even your house, he said. Wipe the the dust up. Don't want that rejection. No salvation. Horrible judgment. Worse than the sodomites. How? How? I mean, you would think that would be the worst judgment at all, wouldn't you? But God said, no, it's worse than Sodom. We stood and looked over Bethsaida the other day. Bethsaida used to be a fishing town. If you remember, Peter came there. Now, it's at least five miles from the Sea of Galilee. Dry, that's nothing but weeds and bushes and trees. And Travis, am I telling the truth? And you know what's laying on top of that hill? A bunch of black rocks to where a city used to be and there's never been one rebuilt right there. You see, when God says something, it may take it a while to come around, but it'll come around. Mm, I hope you hear this. And I want you to understand this. I don't know what the degrees of hell is. I don't know where it's 120 for some or 140 for others or 160 degrees for some. But, oh, if there's some in this church goes to hell, you're going to be fussing to the devil all the time. Cut that firm stat up and down. Can't do it down there. 
Now, I don't know. I'm not trying. I, I, I'm, I know only what the Bible says about. So I'm going to teach you only what the Bible says about. I know only what the Bible says about heaven. So that's what I'm going to teach you about heaven. And the Bible says that there is degrees. There is more punishment for some than others. And by the way, it pleased God by the foolish and the preaching to save them that believe. So don't forget that. So those who refuse to hear God's preacher, that means no repentance. Number two, those who refuse to believe God's power, that means no faith. You can find that in Luke 10 too, also in 13 and 14 and 15. You see, he's saying this, I walked through your city. In fact, I even stayed in your city a lot. He said, I even lived in Capernaum. He said, I healed people. A woman with an issue of blood, I fixed her up. Uh, the man with blind eyes, I fixed him up. The man who couldn't walk, I fixed him up. Uh, the, the, the leper, nobody would touch, I fixed him up. And you watched me day after day, day after day, for three years, do mighty miracles. But you don't believe. Now, many of them did, so they're not in this judgment. They've already been resurrected. He says, but those of you who didn't believe, after you've seen everything I've done, you refuse to believe God's power. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I've seen some people saved in chains just since I've been pastoring this church that it took the power and miracle of God to save them. I've seen God's miracles. I know it works. You better believe it because those who refuse to believe God's power has no faith. And Luke chapter 12 says that they that has great opportunity shall be beaten with many stripes, but they who have little opportunity shall be beaten with few stripes. So Jesus makes it very clear there is going to be degrees of punishment in hell. I hope nobody's got up and run out on me yet. I had a guy, I've had several guys challenge me when I preached this, and revival especially, you know, dead churches. Churches where committees told preacher what to do. Churches where the deacons ran it. Churches where WMU had the preacher scared to death. And they would challenge. That's not, I don't believe that. You don't have to believe it. I'm just telling you what it says. You don't have to. In fact, if you stand before the great white throne, it proves you didn't. <laughs> but that's not my job my job is to get you to not stand before the great white throne I don't want you there you see look at look at the third one those who refuse to acknowledge their pretense look in Matthew 23 we stood on the southern steps the other day to where that they constantly would go forth, back and forth into the temple. And, of course, all of these Pharisees, or many of them in Jerusalem, they were fixed up business-wise to where they got a little portion of everything coming through. And so they would make sure they took care of all those kind of things. But Matthew 23, verse number 14, Look, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Scribes and Pharisees were supposed to be the most spiritual people in town. Look. For you devour widows' houses. Widows was the poorest people in the land. So here, the most spiritual and probably the most rich people in the land kicked widows out of their houses. 
and for pretense make long prayers. And then they're walking around in their holy, holy, holy prayer. Therefore, you shall receive, what's that word? The greater damnation. Y'all believe that? Answer that phone. Tell them what I just said. Tell them they don't get saved to go to hell. If you don't go to hell, there's degrees of it. Or just leave it on. Let them listen to the rest of it. They probably need it. <laughs> Those who refused to not don't you want, notice what Jesus says about them. First of all, they were hinderers uh, of the law. They wouldn't. They wouldn't let. They wouldn't go in. They wouldn't let other people go in. So they were hinderers of lost people. So, the, oh, listen, that gets to God. God said that deserves greater punishment. Not only that, they were pretenders. And God don't like that. So, that means they get greater punishment. Not only that, they were prayers. Not, not just prayers of a prayer, but long prayers. And God didn't like that because in their heart, it wasn't about God at all. It was about people seeing them. And then last of all, they were proselyters. They'd try to proselyte people into a dead religion that wasn't changing anybody's life. And so I'm going to call this no conscience. Think about all they could have helped. You know, Jesus may not have had to have taken care of that man at the pool of Siloam had they done it. Jesus might not have had to take care of that fellow at the sheep gate, the pool of Bethesda, had Jesus done it. Think about all the thousands that walked across that temple mount. And here these people are, just showing off. Man, they, they've got their robes on. They've got, they got all their coverings on. they got everything looking like they're the most spiritual people in town. And here's sick people. And here's, here's poor people. And here's dying people. And here's lost people. And they don't do one thing to try to win a one of them. God said they're going to get the hottest places in hell. Yet they claim to be so spiritual. Just think about all they could have helped. Here's the fourth thing. Look at, I'm going to call this believers in the Lord and his word. Here's the question several people have asked me, and I'm going to be through in just a second. Well, maybe more than just a second. People say, well, preacher, will we be there? Well, when the Bible says that the first resurrection goes all the way to the time that God destroys the earth and does the great white throne, that would mean everybody who was lost is at this one. In fact, the Bible tells us everybody who stands at this judgment is cast into hell in Revelation. So there's not a saved person to the great white throne. Some of our songwriters didn't even know that. They know that. So people said, well, we'll be there. We won't be anywhere else but there unless we're in heaven. But I believe we will be there. And I'm going to show you why. We won't be there as the jury because God's judge and jury. But we will be there for the testimony. Let me, let me just show you. Turn over to Daniel. I know 
That's in the Old Testament, but maybe it won't hurt you too bad. Book of Daniel, chapter 7. Look at verse 9. Are y'all there? Have you got it? Everybody say amen. All right, look. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. Ancient of Days being here the Lord Jesus, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of head was like pure wool. Sounds like Revelation to me, doesn't it? Describing Jesus in chapter 1. Look, his throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. They, de- they describe him as a, as a moving individual. And then look in verse 10. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Now listen, here, here it is. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. I'm going to be in ministry to him. But there's going to be a multitude in judgment before him. Y'all get that? You say, can you show me, show me another place so I will believe it? Yeah, let me give you two. Matthew 12. Let's turn back over there again. I'll show you. Matthew 12. I should have. Gave this to you all ago, but I wanted to put it under the right heading here so you get it all together. Matthew 12, verse 41. Look, the men of Nineveh, now look, are y'all looking at this? The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment. With this generation, and shall condemn it. In other words, I was going to say, one day this slimy looking preacher come through town. He is born. I didn't like him. He's nasty and slimy. had fish mess all over him. He was white as snow. He looked awful. He was the most horrible looking creature I've ever seen. He come walking through our town, hollering, repent, 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 or God's going to destroy you. Repent or God's going to destroy you. You know what we did? We repented. But you didn't. God said, thank you for your testimony, son. Go on back. Y'all with me? Then the queen of Sheba's going to be called up. Queen Sheba, come here. When you went down to see Solomon, what'd you see? Ah, uh, she said, Lord, it, 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 it was amazing. I, up to that time, I had never seen anything like that until I got with you up here. I'd never seen anything like that. And it changed my life. I repented. But they didn't. Good testimony, sweetheart. You go back. So I believe we'll be there for our testimony. For those people who said, well, Brother Glenn, I... Didn't really like the way he preached. Come here, Pastor. Did you preach the Bible every Sunday? Yes, sir. Best I could. Was you the best, best preacher ever been? No, 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 sir. What? In fact, I was way, way, way down the list. But was you faithful to preach the gospel? Yes, sir. Did anybody ever get saved while you preached? I said, yes, sir. A bunch of people did. Jesus is going to say, go on back. Good testimony. And he's going to say, Travis, you come up here. 
You, you taught a Sunday school class, didn't you? Yes, sir. Did, did, did you teach the Bible every Sunday in your Sunday school class, Travis? Or did you give everybody one of them little quarterlies to pass around and then gossip for the last 30 minutes? Did you do that? No, 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 sir, I didn't do that. So you, you, you taught them the Bible? Yes, I did. He said, are you seeing results? Oh, yes, our class grew. He said, thank you, Travis, you go back. And on and on and on. We're there. And the Bible says that not only are we going to be there, but we're going to have a body for eternity. I'm going to call that damnation because verses 13 through 15 of our text says that we're going to be cast into hell and there, look, it says, forever. We're going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever. There's not going to be anything. It's not going to be any change. That's going to just be burned up and that's all. No. You say, well, how can you have real bodies that won't do that? God fix that up. God's going to fix you up with a real body that can live forever in heaven. He can fix up real bodies that live forever in hell. But you know one work that you can do today that could change all that? You see, people are hung up on something they can do. Here's what you can do. John 6, 28, 29, they came to Jesus saying, what can we do? He said, if you believe on me, that's the greatest work you can do. You see, the basis for this judgment was the Bible. Nothing else. God is going to judge us according to this Bible. John 5, verse 45 and 47. John 5, verse 24. John 12, verse 48. All state that God will judge us according to the Bible. I want to ask you something today. If you won't hear Glenn Denton preach God's word, you wouldn't hear Jesus either. You read those verses, that's what God said. If you won't, won't hear, hear Mike Stone or Ron Coram or Rick Coram uh, 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 preach God's word, then you won't hear Jesus. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 31 something, and you don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you if you want me to. But in Deuteronomy 31, and I'll be through, God has something to say to us. He says, a lot of people trying to look into a whole lot of things. I'm confused. I don't understand why God did this. Why Why do you need to know that? God's already gave you more than you can take. Look. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, and those things which are revealed revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. All of this is based on your choice. Everything I've preached today can be nullified by your choice. Isn't it wonderful God gives us a choice? He didn't call them up and say, nah, you're not an elect, you're going to hell. Nah, no, 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 no. You make your choice. You make your choice. I I don't care if you've been a church member. Your church membership's not going to get your name 
sealed in the book. I don't care if you've been baptized 49 times until you've got that cross imprinted on the back of your head. That will not get you to heaven. I'm going to tell you something. If you haven't been changed, you haven't been saved. Because Revelation 21, 27 says, but there's some people he's not going to let into heaven because their name is not in the book of life. In other words, you go back into three other places in the Bible, and I can show you where a whole list of people from any kind of sin you can think of, God wrote it down and said he'd save every one of them. But now at the end, when you said no all along, why wouldn't God? Why wouldn't God? Why wouldn't God, after his only begotten son, came down from a place of glory and wonder and splendor, and he come and walked in a filthy, dirty world, and he was spit on and mangled and mocked, and treated like field until finally they hung him on an old rugged cross and he suffered and he was tortured in pain and they placed him in a tomb. Why wouldn't God send people to hell? I'm glad he just gives us a choice to say I sent him so you wouldn't have to go. So if you don't want to go, you better come.